Welcome to the Dissected Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michaela Keegan Yadley, and I am here to bring incredible guests to you on the topics of teaching and leadership. In this third season, we are focusing on what keeps teachers in the game. It's no surprise that this year has been the most challenging year of teaching for most teachers. And while many are considering leaving the profession altogether, there are also many who still love what they do, or at least have faith that they will love it again soon. We covered all of the challenges and solutions that are needed during season two, and season three is dedicated to seeing us through the challenge to a brighter side of teaching. Get ready to be inspired. This season of the Dissected Podcast is brought to you by the 3D Printing Man. Get custom food bowls or custom chore charts printed by the 3D Printing Man. Visit his Etsy store, The 3D Printing Man, again at Etsy, The 3D Printing Man, and use the code DISSECTED for 10% off. Happy Tuesday, everybody. We have Stephanie Loris with us today on the podcast. Now, we recorded this in full transparency uh, probably a month and a half ago, but what we talk about is something that is relevant now, it'll be relevant over the summer and into next year. We're talking about body positivity, getting healthy, and supporting our students and ourselves on the heels of the pandemic. She is a former teacher. She is a health and fitness coach. She owns Heart and Soul Fitness uh, at heartandsoulfit.com. We talk about two different things. Um, why our students seem to be grappling with some of the basic things they need to do in school, like following routines and procedures, getting in line without shoving each other, without these things turning into major events in the classroom. Um, we also talk about what we have to do different, differently to serve our students. And finally, we talk about her journey to fitness and wellness and what our journeys can look like. So I know that we will get a lot out of this. Without further ado, please welcome Stephanie to the podcast. Okay, real quick before we get to Ron, did you know that having a strong classroom culture plan is the most important way to have a joyful, calm, peaceful year where your students are learning and transitioning and taking pride in their work and following expectations. It's everything that we dream of as teachers. Check out drkeeganyeadley.com. That's D-R-K-E-E-G-A-N-J-E-D-E-L-E.com. And put your name on the wait list for the live event of the summer, all designed to set you up for your best year yet next year. That strong classroom culture plan that you need to have the best year yet next year. The year you wish you had this year but we didn't see coming. A year that can sustain any unknowns and any unforeseen changes. At MKJ, we've got your back. All right, happy Tuesday, all of our Dissect Ed listeners. We have Stephanie Loris with us today. She is a body positive personal trainer, and she has an extensive background, um, including a background in education. So I'm actually going to turn it over to Stephanie so that she can introduce herself, tell us about herself and what she does and what brought her into the field. Well, that's a lot there, and I'm I know. so excited to be here today. So again, I am Stephanie Luares. I'm the owner of Heart and Soul Fitness and Wellness. I'm located in Lake Havasu City, Arizona, but with the beauty of technology, I am available internationally, which is one of the coolest things ever. 
but I am a body positive personal trainer, fitness nutrition specialist, speaker, and author. And basically, that's a lot of titles to say I am here to help people feel good in their bodies because we all have a different, different definition of what that looks like, what that feels like, and how we get there. And I came into this space through a very long journey. You know, my, my background is in education. My formal education is in curriculum development and assessment. I'm the one that I can go and write the textbooks. That's what I was trained for. But, um, you know, life takes its journeys. I was a pastor for a number of years. And a couple of years ago, as I really started to transform myself in my own personal journey, I we stepped away from the ministry, my husband and I, I opened up my business because I understand that my place of service is in that very niched area of helping people in the way that I've helped myself. I'm a person that's been overweight my entire life. And I was put on my first diet at five years old. So I, and I, I'm not that young. So there, there's a lot in there. I've gained and lost hundreds and hundreds of pounds in my life through traditional dieting. So I knew dieting wasn't the answer. But I did reach a point where something had to change. I was unhappy, didn't feel well. Things looked great around me, but I wasn't living the life I wanted to live. So through changing habits, through a lot of different things, breaking it down to the smallest bit and building things up, I've lost over 200 pounds without intentionally dieting. Wow. For me, finding this amazing love of endurance sports, I'm a marathon runner and triathlete, but also coming into this space of understanding how we institute this habit change to optimize the health outcomes that we want and really removing that society stigma of diet culture that we have that's been fed into us through media and the different messaging through the years of my body isn't good enough so I have to change it so I have also I've done a lot of things I not only work one-on-one -on -one, uh, with groups and businesses I teach at our local community college as well as I spent some time teaching PE in the K through eight setting. I mean, thank you so much for sharing, um, you know, your, like the overview of your journey with us and, and why you do what you do before we get into some of those specifics. I have to take advantage of the fact that you have been a teacher and that you also have a curriculum background. And since you've been teaching during the pandemic, I really want to know um, what you have noticed from your seat as a curriculum specialist, I would say, or curriculum writer, mm -hmm. and also as a PE teacher up until fairly recently, right, with, right. Uh, middle, with middle schoolers and elementary school students 
during and, and almost post pandemic, what have you noticed as the impact on them? There has been, I, it's not a secret. The pandemic has impacted education as we know it. Right. But the one thing that coming into the classroom that I didn't expect and nobody talks about is the physical effect on our children that the pandemic has had. We talk about the, the different access to education, potential deficits, you know, and, you know, as, as much as we hate saying, oh, but kids are resilient, they are. And, you know, children are going yes. to learn. Yes. They're going to continue to learn. They're going to continue to grow and thrive. But the one thing in coming into a classroom post-pandemic, when children are now back in person, they're not virtual, and some of them haven't ever been in a classroom setting because the pandemic hit when they were in preschool. Mm. Or they've just, they were in some of those critical learning places relationally yeah. with others that the physical deficit with our kids is huge. And that's not talked about. And, you know, I, I sat here coming into the school year looking at, okay, here's the standards, here's the lesson plans, here's how this is going to be a fun and exciting and engaging year. And two weeks in, you throw it out the window. Because isn't that isn't that the line of the year. <laughs> but it it's it it was for me that place of like not only is I am throwing this out. I am stepping steps back grade level wise um, and where children are physically in their growth. The I have seen now I, I K through eight. So we're our little kids to all, you know, through puberty, God bless them. Almost high schoolers, right? Yes. And the, the biggest thing that I have seen in the kindergarten, the third grade, the fifth grade, those three benchmarks specifically is this place where gross motor skills and even fine motor skills aren't at the average place we'd see it. Now, you know, we know average is subjective because everyone's different. Uh, geographically, how how people come up together in groups. But because kids have either been isolated or in smaller groups in that family unit or even smaller groups of people coming together in that classroom setting, things like teamwork, how we interact physically with other people, and then is is very different. Plus, we're superimposing on that kids that don't have the dexterity, don't have the balance, don't have the stability, haven't physically developed at the level where we would assume they would be at. And so there's so many unknowns to you think you're showing up to play a game of soccer. It's it's not just that simple. 
And is that diff that's different in your experience than it was three years ago, two years ago? Absolutely. And part of that is because, especially when we look at children and physical activity, that PE time, that recess time, it's not only that physical development that's being affected, their movement, their strength, building those muscles, their understanding of how their body moves and works together. We now have that backup of social skills that that we're not coupling the reasoning, the how we interact with other people with physical activity. And so the brain's working almost twice as hard because now I'm not only doing something physical that maybe I haven't even done now for two or three years, but also how do I comprehend this? How do I do this with a large group of people that I haven't been around? It's we're really shocking kids systems. Mm. That's an interesting um, way of looking at it. And I think it's important, especially as we are somehow quickly ending or moving through this school year, even though it feels like the longest school year, it will be over before we know it. Spring always goes that way. And we'll quickly find ourselves thinking about next year and planning. So Mm -hmm. it's important to keep that in mind as we individually plan for what we're going to do. And as teachers or as even as curriculum developers, decision makers moving into the summer and then to next year, how are we accounting just for those those things that kids might need to relearn or just have more experience and exposure to like team building activities or more opportunities to get to know each other and not assuming that they have those skills already developed or the confidence to do it because it, or the understanding that that it's important or why it's important or the skill development to understand what a positive interaction looks like because they might've been arguing with their siblings for two years while home remote learning. Right. And that like at home is expected. My brother and I Mm -hmm. fought like cats and dogs when we were ages of eight and 12, but I never got in trouble for a second in school because I knew what it was expected at school. Um, And I can't say the same for him. (laughs) If he's listening, he'll understand. (laughs) Um, But we were just, you know, at home versus in school, the expectations are very different all around, never mind academically, but just how we interact. So that's important to to pull out. And thank you for for mentioning that because I think it, it is a good thing to keep in mind. It I is. Talk- and I, I, I just, you know, one more point on that. Yeah. I think it's something because we look at the structure of education, you know, how, how, how do we build what we teach. And it comes back to standards and assessments and X and Y and Z. And, you know, so much legislatively was basically put on hold through the pandemic. And, And there was this understanding of, okay, we get it that something bad is going on and you're not gonna reach the typical benchmarks that you have pre pandemic. But we now have a generation that is going to not 
completely, and I hate to say not recover because they're not damaged, but we have an entire generation now that is going to learn differently going forward. And so now is the time instead of these standards have been put on hold, don't worry about these benchmarks. Instead of just bringing them back, now is the time to come back to the table and look at what is realistic in 2022 in where our children are, how do we get them to where we think they need to be, where are they going to be successful. Are you saying that we should meet students where they are and bring them along to where we need them to be? I know. It's a crazy concept. Nuts. It must have been born out of the pandemic and not have existed for a long time. It's best practice. I'm so glad that you mentioned that. My listeners are going to be so happy that you mentioned that because, yes, let's meet them where they are and let's bring them along because they're going to come along a lot more quickly than we think they will. But if we don't ever meet them where they are and just say, here, come be here, then they won't get there. And I, I use this. It's funny that you mentioned running. I'll try to keep this quick. I use this all the time as a, I guess as an analogy, but if somebody said to me, go run a mile in under 10 minutes, they could say that to me as many times as they want. Guess what? I am going to be so far over 10 minutes. But if somebody says, let's just see how fast you run a ten a, a mile. Let's just see how long it takes you. Just, just do the best you can. And I come out at 15 minutes. And they say, okay, how we want to we want to get you under 10 minutes. Uh, here's a plan. And in a, in a month, we're going to see where you're at. I might be uh, right on target to meet that in six months. Or I might be behind and they might say, oh, you know what? I think we're going to put intervals in. You seem to do, that might actually really help if we do, you know, you might not like the fact that you're walking sometimes, but I think your body might need that. So we're going to build those in and then you're going to faster intervals when you're running. And let's try that for a month and see if that works. And I know myself, I know for me, that's going to work. And so I will get to that. Well, well, maybe 10 years ago, I'd get to that under 10 mile. 10 minute mile marker quicker. But if you just keep saying get to 10 under 10 minutes, it's not going to happen. So that's just a little aside. Thank you for mentioning meet people where they're at, because I think that's just so important when we're talking about anything in general, uh, teaching in general, but especially where we are right now. Yes. I wanted to ask you about something that is really important to you. I know in your work and in your message, and that is being a body positive personal trainer. I, we hear body positivity, you know, maybe for the past, I'm going to say three to five years, time is relative to me, um, because I always think something was five years ago, but uh, I'd say in the past five to 10 years, uh, three to five years, we've heard more about body positivity. I've never heard of a body, body positive personal trainer. Can you explain like what that means to our listeners? Absolutely. And so often we hear that phrase body positive and you know we get a little cringy about it mm-hmm. and basically all that is is coming back to that idea of meeting somebody where they're at and understanding what people want to achieve what their goals are 
and not putting someone in a box to get them there. You know, there is very often the assumption that somebody shows up at the gym, they want to lose weight or they want to build muscle. That may be the furthest thing from what that person wants to accomplish. Also, on that same token, we show up with a goal in mind that might seem very insurmountable or almost impossible, but it's stepping back and looking at what is possible for me. There is a lot of adaptation, modification, and accessibility in movement and nutrition that we don't always consider. And we think that if we're not doing it in a way that looks the same as everybody else, on the same timeline as everyone else, that we're not doing it correctly. But at the end of the day, we're all pursuing particular goals, health outcomes that look very different. And so it really comes back to that uniqueness in who you are, what you want, where you're starting, and how do we get there? Because that's why that commercial diet culture doesn't really fit, because it fits a small group of people. There is a diet out there that works for everybody, but it's not the same one. And so it's coming back to that understanding of who we are and what we need. And sometimes we need that little bit of guidance to not only keep us going, have that accountability, but to dig a little bit deeper and understand what that individuality looks like for success. That's helpful. And is there, have you noticed anything in our students around this topic of body positivity, diet culture, and things like that as you've worked with kids or even in the curriculum yes. development aspect of the, things? The biggest thing in this arena with kids is food and their relationship mm -hmm. with food. And part of it is we are lacking in really good resources for those teachers that are providing nutrition education. First of all, they're not in an area where they have that really deep, broad understanding of dietetics. They're not dietitians, so why would they? Mm -hmm. But also, we focus so much on the science of it, that this is calories, this is um, food groups, this is, you know, we don't look at food from that 30,000 foot view of that it exists for culture, traditions, fun, celebration, that we get enjoyment and pleasure out of food, that it's not only used, yes, to fuel the body, but there's so much more attached to that relationship with food. And really, we can get into a slippery place with food because we don't realize sometimes the messaging that we're passing back to those kids around food, around our relationship with food, 
and ultimately shaping theirs. And that comes in the cafeteria or snack time at school or those parties where we start to do things like demonize sugar, like sugar is bad. We can't have sugar or, you know, somebody's lunch might look a little bit different than someone else's. Mm -hmm. And instead of celebrating the differences, looking at that, there is a place for all food, but how are we using it to feel our best for our best use? That's very different. We also then have that unintentional consequence of our own biases. And so we hear teachers and staff really projecting their own relationship with food. You know, they might be on a diet or only eating particular foods or restricting food in some manner. And instead of really using that as, you know, their tool in what they're doing, we start to hear things like, I'm being so good. I'm being so bad because of my food choices. Well, there is no morality in food. And we're not good or bad for those choices that we make because it's a choice. And so it's starting to be very conscious of what we're projecting, what children are hearing, because it has that it has that ripple effect for them that, oh, if this is bad and I eat this and it makes me bad, then I better not do that. And it sounds like a really simple thing, but from our littlest kids through adults, that we start hearing those tapes and get very confused about food and what serves us best. Just as an aside, as we move on to the next segment of the interview, um, Stephanie had some amazing insight into our children, our students, and and why this year may have gone the way it did for them. We're going to pivot now into... What about us, the adults? How do we stay healthy? How do we get our wellness back? It's been a really rough couple of years. We're going to get into that in the next segment. It's like for the individual. And so when we look at that wellness journey, it's looking at the whole person. It's saying, where am I doing really well? Where is it that I might need a little bit of assistance, change, and maybe even feeling better? You know, my favorite question always comes back to how do you want to feel? How do you want to feel? Because that gives us that very specific area to start to break down and break down and break down to get those little steps forward. And any change is not going to be the New Year's resolution, the I'm going to start on Monday, that magical day on the calendar where all of a sudden, swoop, everything in life changes because that's not sustainable. We might hang on to it for a couple days, a couple weeks, a couple months. But if it doesn't fit our lifestyle, our schedule, our families, our finances, it's not going to, it's not going to be there for the long term. So any kind of change 
any type of alteration to our wellness, we really break down to the very smallest bit, the very smallest piece we can look at to start to integrate into daily life, to build that habit and then grow it a little bit bigger, grow it a little bit bigger so that you really start to get that snowball effect. You know, I, I, I talk about, you know, yes, I've lost over 200 pounds. Well, the very first conscious habit that I looked at was drinking water. And it wasn't like, let's go get a gallon of water and do these crazy water challenges. It was a six ounce cup of water that got refilled whenever a timer would go off. And so we really look at what are the practical and sustainable things that we can do to build up from where we are. That's really, really helpful. And I think it must be so hard. I want to say hard. It's so needed to talk about it in this way and to teach wellness in this way because we are so inundated with. I've tried them all. We're so inundated with the different types of diets that were might have been easier. Like for me, when I was maybe 25, 26, 27, I was single, just responsible for me. Uh, if I wanted to make a quick change that where I wanted to lose a quick 15 pounds, it was really kind of easy. Like it felt hard at first and then it was really easy. And then those same things just don't work for me at 41, married with a, you know, a lot more responsibility and it's just, they, they don't work for me now. And right. not to call anyone, anyone out by name, but like none of them do. <laughs> I've tried yeah. them all. And they, it's, I, I have also started to try to really be conscious about habits and that feels good, even mm-hmm. though I'm like, oh, I don't want to start another, I don't want to start a habit but I already have them. So it's helpful to hear you say like you started with a six ounce cup of water that was refilled on a timer. I don't have to carry around that giant jug that seems like it would be 25 pounds. That's good to know because that looks intimidating to me. And also I just picture myself being in the bathroom all day. Um, so, and also for teachers, they're like, wait, yes. I'm in the bathroom during the day. So how am I going to do that? Um, so let's just say somebody has started the world. Like they've identified, I want to feel, I want to feel less tired. That's probably a huge mm-hmm. one. I want to, you know, get to a healthy weight that my doctor has said I should be at, or I want to, you know, eat less sugar and more, uh, and healthier foods and more vegetables, whatever it is. So somebody's already on their wellness journey, but they're struggling. What would you recommend for them? You know, that is one of the places where we get caught up sometimes. Yeah. Because we're like, we, we jump from that one extreme to the other to, I was going really well. This, this, this was happening. I've hit this barrier. And so now it doesn't work. So now I'm not going to pursue this anymore. And, you know, it's not Pollyanna thinking when I say this, but I am of the mindset that anything is possible Mm -hmm. because barriers are going to come up, whether they are real or perceived. Mm. barriers come up no matter what we're doing. And 
sometimes it's looking at, is this something that I can get around myself? Or do I need to find that support or accountability or a little extra knowledge? And how do I get that? And sometimes we're not always open to getting the support because, oh, I can yeah. do this by myself. You know, yeah, weight loss. All right, let's do it. Eat less, move more. It's not always that simple. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes we need that person, that support, that accountability to come alongside us and show us that, yes, this barrier is here, but you can go above it, under it, or around it, and it's not going to stop you. That's helpful. Um, let's use me for an example since I have you here. No, <laughs> but so I was pretty proud of myself because I, that word consistent mm -hmm. wasn't translating in my brain for a long time. And also I have come through a, like a really like a nine year period of my life where consistency was almost, it couldn't be, it was like felt impossible. It feels so much more possible now. And my bump is that I'm tired or <laughs> I like, I was just getting, I've been getting, having so much fun being consistent with workouts, for example. But like right now I'm just like, I, I don't want to, I'm tired. I'd rather, I don't know. I'd rather do anything but that right now, mm -hmm. honestly. And that's like, I, that sounds so silly saying it, but that's really where it's at right now for me after probably being consistent for, I don't know, probably eight to 10 weeks. What would you say to me? Well, you know, there, there is so much that goes into that. There is. So it seems, I don't know that. Seems, I'm, and, I'm not, I'm looking for free advice here, but I'm just saying, you know, right. this might and be a so, lot of people listening. But there again, that's where having another set of eyes and having that support comes in because there's a lot of different things to look at. When we start saying the, I'm a little bit tired, I need a break. Well, you, you very well may be tired. And mm -hmm. so, okay, let's look at sleep. Are you, and are you resting? Two very different things. You know, mm -hmm. it physically are, is your body resting and recovering in a great way? But there's also then, is there maybe something that's changed nutritionally over that span of time that we might need to look at? You might be missing some nutrients because you are in a consistent place. This might be the where your body starts to show you some greater deficits. It's it sometimes mm -hmm. it is worth a visit to the doctor and you know get get some panels run. Is my blood yeah. sugar low? Is where's my cholesterol at? Where's my vitamin D? Where's my iron? You know, things like that. Also, too, there's that most emotional and mental piece. What the heck is going on in life? I may be very consistent in this one area. But is there something else in life that is spun up that is taking that emotional and mental energy away so that when I look at the physical things I'm doing, I have no desire because I'm spent. And so there's a lot of different things that play into this idea of I'm tired. 
And sometimes it is giving ourselves the grace to back off intensity of something, but still maintaining the habit. There, and that's where sometimes we get that mindset of, well, if I'm not doing it at X level, then I'm not going to get results. The, the idea of, you know, oh, my workout has to be 45 minutes. It has to be an hour for it to count. Fall into that, yeah. Well, let me tell you, you know, five minutes, six days a week, there, there's 30 minutes. That mm-hmm. is 30 minutes of cumulative activity that makes a difference in your health, that it's moving you forward to where you want to be. And we often discount that. That, that is so helpful. Actually, thanks. Cause it's helpful for me. Now I have a lot to think about, but also I, what you just described, if I'm not, if I'm, if I'm right, is a holistic approach or a, mm-hmm. looking at it holistically, which for me, I think I have trouble doing cause I'm not, I'm not used to it, right? I'm not looking, used to looking at fitness or wellness that way. And that's actually really helpful to think about once you're consistent, maybe your body is revealing things that, uh, are, that really, that need attention. So that was a really, that was really helpful. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, so the, I think the last question I'd like to ask you, and this is really because I know this is the experience of lots of educators. And I'm not just going to say yes now in pre-pandemic, and I'm sure next year too, there, a lot of them are really stressed out or burnt out. And I think you just said it well, it's taking their energy. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you talk about, but they, but they might really want to start or restart their wellness journey. What would, what might that look like for them or where could they, what places or what could they examine just to, to start? Because starting when you're burnt out or sapped completely from your energy, even if it's not about burn, uh, working out, but it's just in your job, the last, it might be mentally exhausting to even think about it, starting mm-hmm. something new. So what might you recommend for them? Yeah, there, there's a lot of things to look at. And sometimes we get the idea that if I change this right now, life is going to improve dramatically. Not everything has to happen right now. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, that's where we back up and look at life on a greater scale. You know, where, what's coming up in my schedule where I might have a little bit less pressure? I might be able to breathe a little bit more. Spring break, summer break. Yeah, we still work. We do the things. But that stress level might be a little bit lighter. In having a little bit more space, a little bit more room to breathe, that might be then the optimal time to say, hey, okay, I don't want to feel this way anymore. So what are those little habits that I can start? What are those things that I can start to establish, become consistent with, start to maybe even see some results? So that when we get spun up again, when the beginning of the fall quarter comes, when everything starts to build up again, that habit is there, it's consistent, and we start to see how it relates 
to everything else in life. That if I'm not doing this when things are easy, if I really don't do it, then when things become more difficult, then I really see the impact. Mm -hmm. That's that's really helpful. So you're saying, if I'm hearing you correctly, it's okay to maybe just see that period of burnout through and just mm -hmm. kind of get through it until you're in a place. I know my favorite time was always winter break or like holiday break. Cause it seemed to be just a little bit longer if we were lucky. And I would really shed that stress after several days and then be able to be in a place where I could read an article or make a plan. And so with spring breaks coming up and hopefully a longer, you know, less stressful summer break period, you're saying that it's okay to give yourself permission to wait until then to really like dig in and think about a wellness journey. And right now it's time to maybe just get, figure out how to get through that time or that period where it's really stressful or if somebody might be experiencing burnout. Right. And it's not necessarily putting aside where where we want to go and what we want to mm -hmm. do. But it is giving ourselves the space and grace to know that right now another thing might be too much. Okay. But also in that, how can I get to that point when things open up to make some greater changes? And that comes back to a lot of those very basic fundamentals of holistic health. How is my sleep? How yeah. is my hydration? Mm -hmm. Am I uh, eating consistently? You know, a teacher's worst nightmare. Do I mm -hmm. actually have time for lunch and snacks? Right. You know, am I am I doing these very basic things that help me to be primed where I'm at right now? So yes, we can always be better. Yes, we can always improve. But today might not be the opportune time to start. And that's okay. Yeah. So maybe maybe it is looking at like, I might not be able to get the nine hours of sleep that I know is my perfect amount. But can I get, can I get, um, I'm sorry, I have to pick her up because she's going to do this. Okay. Now you're on the podcast, Kira. Um, <laughs> can I get, can I get seven hours instead of four? Um, mm -hmm. can I drink some more water? So I'm hydrated. And can I look at how often I'm eating? Those three things might get somebody through that burnout period a little bit better than if they right. don't do anything at all. Yeah. Because sometimes we're so caught up in what we're doing. We're mm -hmm. up in our head with the stress level and everything else that's going around, going on mm -hmm. that, you know, when was the last time you took a deep breath and mm. you know, realized, oh, have I nourished myself? Have I given myself the very fundamental things my body needs, not only physically to get through the day, but you know, hydration, nutrition, movement all play a part in our cognition, in our reasoning, in our ability to deal with life. Got it. That's really helpful. So just thinking about those things as a way to sustain us until we get to the point where we can really think about putting together what our 
and wellness journey map looks like when we have a little bit more space and less of that stress on us. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being with us today on the episode. I want to ask you where our listeners can find you. How can they access you? Social media, website, what's the best way to find you? Yes, I am all over social media at some iteration of Heart and Soul Fitness and Wellness. Um, And Soul is S-O-L-E. Um, okay. the, the best place to find me though, is my website, heart and soul, S O L E fit.com. And there is all my information, all my goodies. There's a way to get on my calendar. If you just want to have a conversation of I'm a little lost. I, I want to look at my wellness. I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. And, you know, if I'm not the right fit for you, I've got a referral network that grows and grows every day of people that I can say, hey, why don't you go talk to this person? Because this is the support that you're probably going to find most successful. Thank you so much. Heart and Soul, heartandsoulfit.com. I'm going to put that in the episode notes for everybody listening so that you can literally just click a link. But if you're driving and when you get to your destination, you just want to put right in that browser, heartandsoulfit.com, then you know to spell soul, S-O-L-E. Thank you so much for being with us today. Have a an excellent rest of your spring, and I'm sure we'll be hearing from you again on the podcast at some point soon. Excellent. Thank you so much. Wow, what a great and relevant episode. We're, you know, ending our school year. Some of you have already ended, and I am sure that what Stephanie said resonated with you as you thought back on the last few months of school and the last school year as a whole. And especially as you're now embarking on your summer, I know we take a lot of the summer to hopefully rejuvenate and reset our priorities and recommit to what we're going to do for ourselves next year. So I know that what she talked about as far as our own wellness journeys Uh, It was really helpful. So I hope you found that helpful. Again, don't forget to visit her website and you can also visit my website as well, drkeganyadley.com. See you next week. Take care.